Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Welcome to another episode of Location Matters, and I'm your host, Claire Wilson. Today I'm joined by two really wonderful guests who I'm very excited to introduce you to. We're going to be speaking about the best way to get your data um, into an emergency services CAD system. But before we begin, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. So it's common within the emergency services organisations to see extensive investments made into the use of enterprise GIS technologies and CAD systems. But maybe what people don't realise is that there are a number of ways to supplement investments into these technologies especially when it comes to data sources feeding into the platform. The quality of data feeding into a platform is crucial and ultimately could determine the outcome, good or bad, in a critical emergency situation. And we know this is a bit of a sensitive topic, but it's an important conversation to have. Uh, So today, let's get started um, by introducing you to these two wonderful guests who have experience working alongside emergency services organisations and understand the challenges faced with location data quality and how to navigate these challenges. So let's start with Jaden. Could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jaden Trahan. I'm the general manager for Next Mile Location Technology. Um, Next Mile Location Technology is an organization that uh, promotes and licenses and implements here technologies across the Australia and New Zealand market. So we work closely with here technologies, the Oceana team in implementing their technology across a few different industries, in particular, transport and logistics and uh, emergency services departments. Thanks for that, Cheats. Okay, next we'll have Nick. Hi, Nick, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, Claire. Hi, everyone. And it's uh, it's great to be in the room with you today, today, Jean. Um, so my name is is Nick Preston. I'm a product manager with with Here Technologies, um, and have been with the business for for a little over over ten years. Um, Here Technologies is a is a global mapping data location services and and platform company. We have been um, operating in the, the location services industry for a, for a little over. 30 years, and you know, uh, I guess core to that is the is the creation of a um, digital map database that originally supported the use of uh, of in vehicle turn by turn navigation, um, which has you know since evolved to to support other industries like uh, transport and logistics, or um, you know, for today's conversation, uh, emergency services and, and public sector as well. So. We've uh, we've been uh, operating in in Australia or in this in this region for for a little over um, ten years. Wonderful, thank you for the intro, Nick. Uh, lovely to have you on the podcast. This is your first time, I believe. It is my my first time, so uh, thank you for having me. Awesome, uh, it's our pleasure to have you on today, uh, Jeton. Let's start with you. Um, so we'll dive into how. Can our audience understand a CAD system? Um, maybe you can just give us a brief overview before we dive into a whole episode here. What's a CAD system and how crucial is a CAD system for emergency services 
organisations? So CAD stands for Computer Aided Dispatch System, and it's essentially the uh, it's the brain of the response platform for most or uh, any emergency services organisation. So what essentially that what that means is that it's um, it's used by the emergency services operators to locate the nearest response unit to an incident. But it's um, it incorporates many different data fields and business rules um, to determine the most appropriate allocation of a, a response unit. So some of the examples on the on the data feeds and systems that it it, it connects to are so the incident management or triple O system, which um, records the type and location of an incident, the vehicle location system that uh, uses GPS uh, units to to understand the location of the the response units, enterprise resource planning system. So this um, provides the, the members or the field force their availability and skill capacity and, and capability. Then it also connects to a location management system, like a GIS system that has all the location intelligence data associated with the regions that they're covering. Communication system. So this is uh, one of the fundamental components of the emergency services lifecycle uh, in how it communicates through either a pager system or radio comms um, and, and now obviously now through the internet and, and a private network. And then you've got the most important, in my opinion, or one of the most important um, components, which is the mobile data terminals. And these are the in-cabin uh, systems that provide um, all the turn-by-turn um, directions and incident data to the people on the field trying to, to help either uh, save a house or help a person. So it's very important for the people in the field to have this information that is correct and accurate um, and um, easy to interpret as well because they don't have time um, to, yeah, to make interpretations of data decisions very quickly. They, they have to be on the fly. Okay, cool. So it's it's about the visualisation of the data and how emergency services organisations, emergency um, and first responders can actually utilise GIS technology to get to the incident the quickest way possible. Uh, so... You kind of touched on it just then, Jeets, with your introduction to what a, what is a CAD system, but maybe let's talk more about the GIS side of things now, diving into the technology. So how, how do people typically use GIS technology in relation to their CAD system? The GIS system feeds the CAD system and prepares the data so that it can be ingested and used um, by the, the people making decisions at the operational level and also at the, at the field at the front line. So some of the, the data that inputs into the GIS system are the address information of the incident, um, the road network and the road furniture and the traffic information, um, points of interest information. So this could be landmarks or um, more importantly, business name uh, and business and franchise information from your Bunnings down to your local deli store. 
Um, and then also preparing um, private business data as well, um, or private private information relating to the, the area of interest or the, the incident. So um, in any case of a fire agency, they, they, you've got your public road network, but they also have a lot of fire trails that are typically won't be presented on a map. So um, the GIS system would help manage that data, make sure it's accurate and prepare it so that it could be ingested into the CAD system and used as a routable network when the, when the field are on, on the road attending to the incident. So it's quite a it's quite a integral part of the overall emergency management lifecycle or supply of information across different systems. Yeah, it certainly sounds like a a CAD system handles a, a ton of data, and and some of that is just what you've touched on there. So we've got to address information, um, those those places that might be on a private road or not really have an address as such. Um, and that leads me into our next question. So I guess there's going to be some times where a caller calls triple zero in an emergency situation and um, they can't give an address. So they might be at the beach and someone's having a medical episode. What, what happens then? Um, how, how does the HEAR data set um, handle that in the, in the CAD system for emergency uh, responders? Can be done in a couple of ways. So, if the great thing about um, having a routable network that is aligned to addresses is that you have um, you have a range of addresses that fit across a road segment. So you have the high and the low um, address number. So if someone calls and they don't know their exact street number or street name mostly number we're talking about in this example. Um, if you have a data set that um, is, is managed from a road network point of view and has the address linked to the road center line, the CAD system and the GI system is intelligent enough to extrapolate um, the, the, whatever the number is. So say, for example, it's on the odd side and we've got, um, we've got from, house number five to, and they miss three and, and they've got one. Um, and the person says, oh, I think I'm number three Smith Street. If the road um, data set um, is, is managed correctly through the CAD system and um, is centered across the road center line, you can actually get an average or interpolate the, what the address number will be located. Um, so it knows then, because it goes across a linear a linear road between five and one, it should be in the middle some point. So these are one of the one of the ways that using a, a really good road networks, for example, like here, um, can help um, identify when an address is not really known or not correctly um, spoken to. Then the system should be able to intelligently estimate where that address should be. And I guess I'll, I'll just add to that, you know, for for those locations which may be at a, at a beach or a park or or near a, you know, a, a business or a, or a monument. I mean, 
this is this kind of fundamentally comes down to the uh, the underlying data within the within the GIS. So you know the fact that you can have a you know a park represented you know with a cartographic feature in the map, but that also has a you know a name associated with it. So once you know assuming that that park is you know included in the data or that that feature is included in the data, ultimately that becomes a a searchable feature and can enable that. Um, you know, that, that geocoding. Thanks for that, Nick. So is that where something like points of interest data would come in? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole range of, of things which, which, which I think feed into this kind of, you know, destination selection. We, we've already, um, you know, talked about addressing. And I think mm -hmm. that, that's something I, I want to come back to because I think it's a, it's a really, a really integral part of, of this. But you know, points of interest are, you know, kind of as they as they suggest, you know, anything on a map um, which is is valuable to be to be searched for. And this could be uh, a historical monument. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, a, a lookout. It could be a, a, a business. Um, so I think anything from a, you know, an airport to a hospital to a to a cafe. Um, but like I said before, it could also be a um, something like a, a, a what we refer to in the in the mapping business as a, as a cartographic feature but you know things like parks as well mm -hmm. um, I, I guess just to to come back to addressing and, and you know this is really one of the the fundamental data sets that, that that we maintain and this idea of being able to provide either an address range um, so the, you know the, the exact location uh, you know can be interpolated or, or, or estimated um, right down to um, uh, what we refer to as as point addresses. So this is an actual uh, a dot on the map which represents the the location of that of that property. Here technologies we align our addressing to the to the road network. So it, again, just to, to kind of expand on what what Jean mentioned before, this ultimately means that it is a it's a routing point and so when you uh, when you type an address into the in, into your search you will be you know guided to the point at the road uh, the point on the road where, where that address sits and and this is this kind of has a subtle difference to be you know to representing the you know the centroid of a of a land parcel the centroid of a um, uh, of a property boundary which you know, depending on how that where that centroid is, is positioned, it could potentially be snapped to the wrong to the wrong link. So you might, you know, end up on the on the backside of a of a of a property address or something like that. So so that, that's one aspect. And then, you know, what we've seen in in our experience working with with emergency services recently is that is the need to provide you know not just the the, the primary address. But also, um, you know, it could be the, you know, the the unit or a or a sub address within a within a facility. So if you consider like a, a kind of a maybe an aged care facility or an assisted living facility, um, where you kind of have one main entrance and then a whole bunch of different you know units within a within a small road network, the importance of having, you know, a a location a specific location for each of those units. So that when you when you do type in in an, in an address to you know to send out an ambulance, they know which unit to be sent to within that um, you know within that facility. So yeah, really 
really important part of the data set. Yeah, it, it sounds as though um, here data is, is quite granular and that's super important when it comes to things like an emergency situation where you don't have a, speca- a second to spare. Sorry. Um, so perhaps now we can move on to a little bit more about here map data. So I would love to hear from you, you Nick. Um, can you tell us more about the kinds of here map data that here technologies provides and how can they be used to supplement GIS activities within emergency services? So um, something like road infrastructure data, roads and routing, uh, real-time traffic, that kind of thing. Yeah, happy to. It's, yeah. You know, so for, for our business, um, like I mentioned before, you know, our, our business has evolved from, from supporting this, you know, turn-by-turn, turn, you know, in-vehicle kind of offline navigation use case. And, and so that means that anything to do with the, the, the roads is, is, is really central to, to, to our business. Um, and, and, and really in order to support, you know, these, these use cases, the, the level of, of attribution within a, you know, within that road data is, 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 is critical. Um, and it's, it's very, very rich. And, and if this kind of starts with the, those, those, I guess, fundamental attributes to support turn-by-turn navigation. And so that is ultimately, uh, you know, uh, how, that, uh, how that road is, is represented in the map, the accuracy of that, of that road, uh, the road naming. Um, and, and then as you kind of get, get a little bit more, um, more complex or, or more into, into the details, there's things like the, the direction of travel, um, any turn restrictions, which, which may apply, the number of lanes, the, 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 the speed limits, um, certain access restrictions, which vary by, by vehicle type. And I think you know, that's where the, the, kind of the, the, the richness um, plays an important role in, in, in emergency services. Um, you know, something that, that we pay a lot of attention to um, are is, you know, specific vehicle access on, on, on roads. And, and so, you know, the, the kind of customers that, that we support, um, you know, range from the, uh, the automotive industry, also the, uh, the heavy vehicle industry, um, buses, uh, emergency services. And, and so, you know, as a, you know, I think any road user would, would understand that, you know, based on the, the vehicle type, there are always, always, you know, slight variations about how they can, uh, you know, they can use the, the, the road network. And so, you know, buses in, in certain situations will have lanes or, you know, roads dedicated to them, turn restrictions, which only apply to them. Um, you know, something particularly uh, important to, um, to, to, to us in, in our business is, you know, oversized vehicles. And so, you know, when you, when you drive a, you know, it could be a B-double truck, it could be, you know, a fire engine, it could be a coach, um, then understanding where those low bridges exist so you don't, um, so you don't come in contact with them. You know, any, any listeners in, in Melbourne will, you know, will, will know about the Montague Street Bridge, um, I think just just recently someone collided with a with the the low bridge on the corner of Flinders Street and Spencer Street, and so it's you know it, it causes chaos. It obviously has a has a, a real safety issue for the for for the drivers, but also the the cost of of infrastructure. So, 
you know, that's the, the, the I guess, critical information, which also applies to the, the emergency services. Um, Just, and I guess, you know, we, we sorry, Claire, um, you know, we operate in kind of the, the static space. So, you know, so I would consider the, the roads data to be relatively static. Obviously, things like speed limits evolve over time, um, but, but, you know, they're, they're, they're fairly you know, predictable or, or static in nature. What, you know, we, we see is also, you know, of, of real importance to, to, to customers across the board is the ability to deliver real-time traffic. Um, and, and I think, you know, particularly now as we, as we kind of come out of these, well, particularly in Melbourne, we come out of these, you know, uh, COVID-related lockdowns, it's, it's, it's very unpredictable. Um, the the level of traffic or the level of, of congestion on on roads and so being able to to deliver that you know real time traffic information is is critical to 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 understanding ETAs and and so you know this obviously plays into you know how you dispatch certain vehicles based on their their location and also the the, the level of congestion that that they may be facing on those roads. So I don't know about in Melbourne, but Sydney, congestion has come back harder because less people, more people are um, choosing to opt out of public transport and go into private um, private vehicles. So traffic is, um, I thought traffic was going to go away, but it seems like traffic's come back with a vengeance. And also, like a lot of people that, uh, a lot of uh, first first uh, responders in, in looking in a particular area, they know their, their area really well. Generally, most of the time, they just work in particular catchment and they know it well. But what they don't know is if there's an unplanned incident or an accident um, that would affect their, their routes to respond. So having that intelligence upfront could potentially save a couple of minutes on the journey and that could make a huge difference. So having that information, I think, is, is a really critical element to, to his offering. Completely agree with you, Jeets, um, on so many of the points there. And Nick, too, you, when you were talking before about the bridge in Melbourne, um, similar kind of thing happens in Perth quite frequently. Um, near East Perth, there's a bridge that uh, I think on average we have two or three trucks crash into per year just because of clearance. Uh, and and Jeets, when you were talking about congestion in Sydney, um, it's certainly been something I've been reading about a lot online in the newspaper and seeing with my very own eyes in Perth. Um, so I can't imagine those cities that were locked down for far longer than we were. Um, yeah, it's... The, I suppose what I took from all of that is um, the, co the complexity and um, the completeness of the, the here map data set is, is huge, which kind of leads me into where I wanted to go with this next is how easy or difficult perhaps would it be to integrate this data into an emergency services CAD system? Because I take it, um, for example, you are a rural fire brigade perhaps and you're expected to respond to just as serious um, incidents, if not more serious um, incidents, you know, in the country. And you might not have GIS specialists or analysts um, on hand to easily integrate all of this data that you get given, even if it is wonderful here, map data. Um, so what kinds of roadblock, 
roadblocks sorry might people face um, in in regards to integrating the data in the in the CAD system? Either of you, or both. I, I, I guess I'll I'll start by just making one one comment on the completeness, and and this kind of goes back to to a comment that that Cheetan made um, earlier is is around that that completeness of the of the data set and, and and I think what we have experienced with with certain um, emergency services organizations um, recently is that you know while you know here technologies or you know other uh, mapping providers can provide a nice representation of the of the public road network and you know, a, a kind of a, a consistent set of, of points of interest or, 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 or businesses, um, there's always going to be a need to, maybe not always, but there's generally going to be a need to, to supplement that, that data with, with other sources. And, you know, the, the example that we've, that we've talked about are these, uh, you know, fire trails, which, which exist. And, and so, you know, some of these fire trails, they run through people's Private properties that 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 do that to to support you know the emergency management groups. Um, they could be you know for for management vehicles only. Um, and 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 so you know as a as a mapping provider, these aren't something that that we can you know digitize into our in, into our public um, you know map database. And and so this is you know where we kind of get into the um, the the discussion around. How can can we as a business support you know other GIS departments or you know other GIS data sets to integrate with the you know with here's public road network offering um, and deliver the same level of experience and and so it essentially stitch in this this third party data set um, which might be providing new geometry in in, in areas that, that we don't have or on on, on private land and you know, ensure that we can deliver the the same level of experience with this kind of you know primary data set and and, and third party data set and 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 this is this is critical when you know you need to um, generate an, an ETA or deliver you know it might be you know generating an ETA within the CAD system or providing that um, that turn by turn navigation into the um, in the, the mobile data terminal, um, and and so um, that's a really uh, that's a really critical factor and, and and something where you know where here technologies is is starting to invest a lot of a lot of time and energy in taking on more of that that data management. So it's certainly one of the the challenges that that we've seen from from our side. So you're saying that here can take private data and kind of merge that in with here's publicly available data and make that into a seamless process, seamless data set. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately deliver, you know, those, all of those, you know, location services, be it, you know, search, geocoding, routing, um, you want to be able to, to, to deliver that across, you know, a single, a single seamless network and then, you know, be able to, to deliver it you know, for a, a mobile application or you know, someone in a, in a vehicle. And, and, and this, this, this might include, you know, the, the kind of the, the conflation of, of two data sets. It could also be a, a matter of, you know, enriching the, the underlying here data set with, um, with certain attributes that, 
um, that, that exist on this, this third party data set. So it could be a very specific access restriction, um, like, you know, these are, these are the types of vehicles that can, that can travel on these roads and, and these, you know, these other vehicles are, are restricted, um, you know, something like that. So it's kind of a in, in, enrichment as, as well. So what about if they if the agency wants to make that data private and only they want to conflate it with your data, but also restrict it to only their users or organizations? What happens there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this isn't something that we kind of take and ingest and, and publish out to, to to all of our users. This this is maintained as a, a, a purely um, you know privately owned um, owned map, and, and and obviously that that privacy element is is something that we take. Uh, we take very seriously. Wonderful. Um, thank, thank you, thank you, both Jeetan and Nick. Um, Jeetan's doing a little bit of my job there, jumping in with some questions, and and Nick, those very comprehensive answers. Uh, so this kind of leads me into where I wanted to go next. Let's kind of go back to where we where we started today. Jeetan, you're from Next Mile Location Technology. How can you help in this process? So the data that is outputted from here um, is, is very comprehensive um, and quite structured. Then we have, so we, we kind of, we work with here to kind of provide that as a data set and then we carry that and provide that then to the customer. And sometimes, the emergency organization, emergency services organization um, needs a bit of help in adjusting, transforming um, uh, the, the data so that it be ingested into their CAD system. The CAD systems that we know of um, are, have very particular requirements on how they ingest the information, so the data sets. Depending on the version of CAD system they got, so if it's an older version, then generally speaking, they have very particular um, file requirements and most typically it's a flat, flat file structure. So we need to do a lot of services to manipulate that data and transform it into a compatible data set. So that's where, that's where NextMile can help in providing the services um, to prepare the data so that it can be used and ingested into a GIS system or a CAD system. Thanks for that, Jeets. Um, so NextMile are able to enable these emergency services organisations to um, ingest the, the HERE map data into their CAD systems. We're kind of coming to the end of all that we have time for today. I would so if our listeners wanted to read any more about this topic, we have a wonderful blog on the Next Mile newsroom. So just go to the Next Mile Location Technology website and you'll be able to find it there. It's called Data with Benefits, How to Optimise Your Emergency Management CAD System. But we'll put the link in the show notes for you. Nick and Jeetan, it's been wonderful to talk with you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you've liked what you've heard today and um, you would like to listen to some more Location Matters, 
episodes, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Podcasts. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.